today's episode of the Balancing Hormones Naturally podcast, where we offer actions and steps you can take today to start supporting and balancing your hormones. This is your podcast host, Leah Brueggemann. I am honored and excited to be your guide on your way to better understanding your hormone health and how it affects your everyday life. Hey ladies, so I have a special guest for you today. I brought in Elizabeth Mers. I was just going to say Ellie, but I mean, I guess that's what you go by, <laughs> Ellie yeah. Mers. <laughs> yep. And Both she is, is she is a doula and we actually went to high school together. I, I can't remember though if you were a grade above me or a grade below me. I think you were above I me, was. right? I was a grade below you actually. Oh. Yeah. This is how much I remember <laughs> high school. That's all right. Repressed memories. That's okay. <laughs> this is so true. That's so true. It's like, yeah. oh, yes. Um, anyway, she, so she became a doula uh, this last year. Or the, yeah, last year. Yeah. And she obviously knows a ton about labor and postpartum. And I know that there are a lot of first time moms that listen to this and just a lot of moms in general. And so I always talk about the nutrition side of postpartum, but there's so much more that goes into labor and postpartum, obviously. And so (laughs) I thought I would bring an expert in. And so I would just love for you, Ellie, to share a little bit about yourself and why you became a doula. Yeah. So about like Leah said, about a year ago, I had like a total change of scenery like I was doing the whole home cosmetic thing and I had this just growing love to help women and where that was great and I loved doing it and I loved doing like the whole home parties and everything it just I wanted more and then after COVID hit there was like just that that stagnant like everybody was trying to figure out what to do with the changes and what was going on and so I just stepped back from the the whole cosmetic scene and just did a lot of what do they what do you call that like self-finding yeah Yeah, just had had to completely just find what I needed to do so I am a mother of three and where they are my my number one throughout the day and everything I feel like we always need that that thing for ourselves, you know so well I mean why why you start your own business and why you start your own why you have something for yourself is you need to fill your cup. So that's ultimately why I had to step back and where I loved that whole cosmetic scene and everything. I had that growing love to help women and taking my own stories and my own, you know, my own births and my own labor into labors into consideration. There were certain things that happened where they weren't life shattering, where they, you know, nothing, thank God, nothing bad happened, but they didn't need, they they weren't necessary. Um, and if you want, I can go further into that, but yeah, there's, so with my daughter, um, certain things happened, like I said, not life shattering, but when you're in those stages of labor, they could have been potentially harmful Mm -hmm. to your, to my baby. So, um, I was got to the pushing phase of having my daughter and the nurse held my niece together. Wait, what? Yeah, because the doctor wasn't ready yet. And I was like, looking back, I was at that point, I was just like, whatever. I didn't think anything of it. But then like, my birth team was like, what was she doing? 
what was that nurse doing? Like her head was right there. Anything could have happened, you know? And so just taking these different stories from each of my labors, all three of them, I was like, this needs to change. There needs to be a change for our women because obviously like my daughter's almost five. So I could be over that. I could have just moved on, but sadly it doesn't stop there. There's, you know, you, you sit back and if you actually truly listen to people's birth stories, they all have something like that. Something like that has happened and it's, it's scary and it's dangerous. And whether it, it's not exactly that instance, there's always something, something that, that, that could have been changed for a better outcome. And that's ultimately why I became a doula is because women need to have a voice. Women, women need to know that it is their baby that it is their body and that they get to have that choice for their outcome where there are these extreme circumstances where, you know, high risk pregnancies where they don't, I guess, get to have much of a say or where they have to, where, where they're high risk, you know, where, mm-hmm. where there's a risk of bleeding or where there's a risk of um, hypertension or, you know, preeclampsia, you have to take on the side of caution. But yeah. in most cases, I know two women And being a military wife, I know a lot of women (laughs) Mm -hmm. and out of two, out of the hundreds that I know, those are the only people that I know that are high risk. So think within your own circles, um, excuse me, I didn't, uh, I just totally lost my train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're fine. Um, So just thinking within your own circles, what those high risk pregnancies and who, you know, who have been through different things like that how you could, those outcomes could have been different. So, that's so true. So yeah. that's why, that's why just this thinking back and I just had to do a lot of like soul searching and, you know, think about, you know, what I could do with my knowledge and with working mm-hmm. on my education to be a doula, um, how I could be helping women in the long run. So that's ultimately why I started. I love so. that. And where are you based Ellie? Um, well, I just left Grand Forks, North Dakota, and I'm just north of Sacramento, California now. So you so. went from icicles to sunshine. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, the, we got here in December. So it was a lot of rain. That's apparently the rainy season. Um, oh, okay. But we it's pretty much just spring now, like everything is blooming. And like now is their growing season, which is funny because I'm from Michigan. So, or we're from Michigan. So, um, yeah. we're used to like the growing season be like May and June timeframe. And now it's yeah. February, March timeframe. So, uh, it's a totally, you know, totally different, uh, just totally different setting yeah. and area. And yeah, it's, it's, but it's a good difference though. Like, like Leah said, we went from icicles to sunshine. So, um, my son has eczema pretty bad mm-hmm. and he's had to live with that for the last almost four years now. And the sunshine and the vitamin D has been incredible for his skin. So oh. yeah, it's, it's definitely been very good for us out here yeah. so far. I feel like the yeah. sun's just good for my mood. <laughs> yes. Yes. It has so many benefits. Um, like you said, skin, but ooh, mood, um, mm-hmm. Okay. So I would love to kind of just ask you some questions and I'm sure you have some stuff uh, prepared as well, but 
I guess I'm thinking more towards like a first time mom, but this Mm -hmm. can really apply to any mom, but I would just love for you to just kind of walk us through a, like, what does a doula do? Like what can, what, why would we want a doula? What could we expect from a doula? Like, why should we hire a doula? So let's start there and then I'll go to my other questions. Okay. So that is, it is kind of a lengthy question because most yeah. doulas, <laughs> most doulas are hired at about 30 weeks, but okay. you know, it can be any, you know, if you really know that you want to have a doula, you could start at any point of your pregnancy because it doesn't hurt. We walk through uh, nutrition and uh, health exercises per stage of uh, pregnancy. And then when you get closer to labor, we also go through exercises and uh, labor, pregnant, uh, labor and delivery. There we go. Positions. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Another brain fart, um, labor positions to help you through each stage. So, uh, I'm all about moving. Like mm-hmm. you are not plastered to a bed while you're laboring because that will not help you through the pains. So when you're walking through each phase of labor, there's certain positions and certain ways to stand and certain ways to lay, um, particularly on your left side is normally suggested, but, um, so certain positions, we teach you certain positions and certain exercises. And then when the day of labor, like full on active labor begins, we're there with you whenever you're ready, you can text us in early labor or call us at any stage and then, or call me in or any early stage. And, whether uh, my first home birth, she, I was there with her for most of her active labor. Um, and then when like not active labor, but the first phases of labor, we were there with her all day. And then when active labor began, it was just her and her husband, the midwife hadn't gotten there yet. And so she was very scared and knowing that like, even her husband felt a thousand times better, just having that extra person there because Mm -hmm. where they had had, you know, kids before, having a birth team is crucial for success. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have those people that you trust, and if you don't have those, you know, that positive reinforcement, like if you don't have that in the birth setting, a positive outcome won't happen. You know, she needs to be comfortable. She needs to know that she is secure in a safe environment um, with no harsh interventions, because then that's when the scary begins. Mm-hmm. And the fight or flight, uh, ep- epinephrine and non-epinephrine hormones start kicking and she won't feel safe. She won't right. feel prepared for her birth. So, um, that's what we're, we're ultimately there for. We're, we're there every step of the way, whether it's 30 weeks or if she just all of a sudden at 36 weeks is like, or 38 weeks, you know, at whatever phase we are ultimately here to serve doulas are here to serve and, because we've, a lot of us are moms who have had our own, you know, had our own experiences. We get it. We yeah. know, and we, and we hear you and where I am just starting out, um, as opposed to, you know, one duel, I know she's been doing it for 30 years. Um, wow. yeah. And she actually just recently became a midwife, but she is incredible. Uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter at what phase of, uh, pregnancy that you are, you can mm-hmm. have the support and you can have an incredible birth team. And one thing that I would suggest is look within your communities, look within even your own families. I know that 
a doula means a woman to serve or serving Mm -hmm. a woman. It's Greek. And even if it's not, you know, even if she doesn't have the name doula, you need to have a birth team that you're comfortable with. And so look within your community, look within your church community, look within, uh, if you're military, look within, you know, your own base for people who you're comfortable with, because having, having that support is key. And having that support will have a, you will have a much better outcome having, being surrounded by people that, you know, being surrounded by people that you are safe and secure with. So, yeah. Um, no, I think-, I think the mindset part, like this is totally off topic, but, um, is so, so important because even like when I was in labor, if I like would fight my contractions, like, oh my gosh, it's going to hurt. Ow, ow, ow. Like they hurt 20 times more than if you just kind of breathed into it and relax yeah. and you're like, it's just a wave. It's going to, it's going to yeah. come and it's going to go. And they would hurt so much less. And so just coming into that with the minds, you know, that mindset, like it's going to be good. Everything's going to be fine. And mm-hmm. having that support is a world of difference. Um, even just like, like you enjoying your birth. Well, okay. I'm not really sure anybody enjoys labor, but you know, (laughs) it is achievable though. It is achievable though to feel successful and to feel like, like you like empowered through your birth. It is possible for that where yes, it is incredibly painful and it's part of our life, you know, thanks Mm -hmm. Eve, but, um, it's just part of life. Um, we have to accept it. And a great mindset to get into is that birth is a marathon. It has one end, mm-hmm. but even, I mean, part of the reason why you have me here is to talk about the postpartum. So it doesn't end there though. Ultimately, yeah. you know, like you have your baby, that's great. And it's there and you're fulfilled and it's wonderful. And then the postpartum phase kicks in and where you may feel incredibly overwhelmed and, yeah. you know, all of, all of the things that come with postpartum. But the one thing that I love to remind women is that birth is that marathon that you have to accept those waves Mm -hmm. and treat them as hurdles, treat them as, you know, you, you get to the peak of the hurdle and then it comes down, you know, you have to accept each part of that contraction. And something that I've started having my clients, friends, family, whoever's pregnant, um, having them do is to just sit and center yourself and think like mind and body, think about your baby and think about like you, because you are one with your child. Like you, you are literally their sole source of life right now. What you feel is what they feel. So if you are fully accepting Mm -hmm. of what's happening, then they will as well. And they will be more because they are all part of the process too. They have to kickstart those hormones for, for labor to start for. Mm -hmm. So it's, you and that baby are, are one. And if you are accepting of that, and if you breathe through those, through those hurdles, through those con- contractions that, and accept it, then so will they. And centering yourself and deep breathing through those contractions will really kickstart everything to, I don't know, it's just, it starts, it starts in pregnancy and it, then it, it will go through, you know, through life, through, through birth and through postpartum, that if you accept that they are there with you, mm-hmm. whether, you know, whether they're actually in your arms or whether they're in you, uh, that you're through the, going through this journey together, 
you'll be yeah. fine you'll be okay you'll be all right yeah <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no it's true I mean the baby's gotta want to come out <laughs> yeah um okay so what would you say to somebody like um like she is she is pregnant you know coming like preparing for her labor like what are some things she should know I mean there's probably Um, a lot but you know yeah definitely the the whole you know your body your baby your choice and Mm -hmm. I highly suggest having a birth plan uh, and your doula or family or friend can help you through that your birth team can ultimately help you through that and because when you, when you bring your birth team into it and you all discuss, you're on the same, all on the same page, you all know, you all have the same end. Um, with my third baby, I had the same resident ask me six times, six times if I wanted an epidural and thank God I had my husband there because after an eight hour labor, I was ready to have that mm-hmm. epidural, but, uh, he stood his ground and he really, you know, kept me grounded and, helped me realize that you know, like no you like we're here we can do this you've done this two other times before and mm-hmm. you know as as long as you have everyone on the same page then they will be able and like I said you're feeling safe and secured with your own birth team mm-hmm. those other opinions won't matter so right it's hard if they keep <sighs> questioning what what you want and that can be really annoying. Someone else had told me um, to have a very detailed birth plan. She was like, have it mm. super specific. And I was so glad I had that because I put it, it was right next to my bed on the table. And so whenever they came to check like my vitals, they saw it right there. And so every nurse, if there was a shift change, would look at it. And they all told the doctor when she came in, which was really nice because then when, yeah. when the doctor would have anything to say, like a lot of the nurses just answered it for me. They were like, oh, no, right. that's not on her birth plan. And I was like, right. hallelujah. <laughs> right, exactly. A lot of people turn to birth plans these days. And then I do sadly hear stories like women just, I just don't care. It's fine. Everything will be all right. I'm like, no, you need to have a plan, please. Uh, Because you just, you just don't know what Mm -hmm. kind of situation you're walking into because uh, where you have your own doctor, and this has happened with all three of my kids, where I specifically chose that doctor and I was super happy to be working with him. He wasn't there for any of my deliveries. So we had, (laughs) we had this mutual agreement, but I ended up delivering with us with completely different doctors who had, you know, didn't know me from Adam and uh, it was, it's super critical to have that birth plan because, and I suggest having multiple, like maybe making a couple copies uh, because you never know with shift change with different doctors, or if a nurse puts them in your file and then the doctor walks in and says, Oh, what am I supposed to do with her? You know? So (laughs) I suggest (laughs) having a couple of them on hand just in case. Uh, And after, after the birth plan, I think definitely just just realizing what and accepting that, you know, those hurdles that we had discussed before. So there will be pain involved, but joy, joy at the end of the pain. (laughs) There is. And like I said, thanks Eve. We just have to work with it, roll with it. And Yeah. yeah, in the, in the end you, but that's, that's why we have these, these birth teams is so that you can have the outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a book called, 
uh, gentle birth and gentle mothering mm-hmm. that I, I highly suggest all mothers, postnatal, prenatal, wherever, <clears throat> wherever you're at in your mothering journey to read it, because it is actually written by a doctor and she brings in like medical research, but it's never too far in depth. She makes mm-hmm. it very, like very readable for, cause I'm no doctor. I, mm-hmm. you know, I won't, I don't even play one on TV, but <laughs> I, I just love how she talks about what our bodies go through with the hor- like the different hormones with how our body handles the, like those fight or flight yeah. um, feelings that we get through labor. But then she also brings in like medical, like I said, medical research and maybe the mm-hmm. non-necessity of it, where it's, where we seem to be going, digging further than what needs to be done. I don't know yeah. if, I don't know, like she, she just talks about the history of all the different interventions and like I appreciate it. and C-sections yes. and all of that. And not just that, but the, the overuse of ultrasound these days. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's like the, un, like I said, the unnecessary interventions. And I refer to it a lot. Like when I, when I'm talking to my clients or, uh, or even just like this, or when I'm just talking to friends. So it's, I think it's crucial for us to prepare for what's to come and mm-hmm. it doesn't hurt. I mean, I, I'm at a different phase than I was five years ago when I get pre- got pregnant, but yet mm-hmm. I still appreciate it, that education. And uh, I, I hope other people will read it too, just for the fact mm-hmm. that it is an eye opener. Yeah. And it is very like strong willed where, like I said, she's a doctor, but she had mm-hmm. all three of her kids at home because of Whoa. the unnecessary. Yeah. Because of the unnecessary interventions that were being pushed at her because she was a doctor. So mm-hmm. she's like, no, 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 my body. And I will make this choice. And yeah, she's pretty, um, she's pretty cool. I think it, one of the biggest things, like if you are pregnant is to just educate yourself on like what is necessary and what is not necessary. And if that means like you, you're hiring a doula and you want to talk to them or you talk to a bunch of moms and hear stories and all of that kind of stuff, because a lot of times when you go into your doctor's appointment, you know, they just, they just tell you like kind of what's common, like what people typically do. And when they say it, they say it so matter of fact. And like, for me, example, like, um, my due date was the 28th of December and they were like, okay, well, if you don't have them, like we're going to set your induction date for the 30th. And like, that was like, they just matter of fact, blah, 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 blah. And I just was kind of sitting there stunned. And then I left my appointment and then I called them and I was like, why am I being induced? Like, is <laughs> like, it was just so matter of fact, it wasn't, do right. you want to be induced or anything? It was just right. your induction date is set for the 30th they will call you to confirm. And I was like, well, yeah. is there a reason why I'm being induced? Oh, like, aren't you sick of being pregnant? And I was like, uh, yeah, but I don't want to be induced. <laughs> right. Yeah. Those. Yeah. So certain interventions like those, they're, they're, like I said, not completely unnecessary because they were created for a reason, you know, mm-hmm. but they're being overused. Yeah. And I love, you know, I love that point in, in Dr. Sarah Buckley's book because 
it's not just induction that's being overused. Like I said, ultrasounds being overused. And that is, that is just like the status quo. Like you hit 40 weeks. Oh, well, we're setting your induction date. And unless you actually remember the whole, your body, your baby, your choice, they're, they're going to run away with it because mm-hmm. that's status quo for them. They have like these guidelines that they set, that they stick to and where that might work for one person that's not going to work for everybody. And you need to remember that. And I don't want to say this because it is kind of harsh, but I'm going to say it because it's not, it's not wrong. It's, and it's exactly true, but there's a revolving door on the labor mm-hmm. and delivery room floor. Yeah. And you're going to get the same care as Sharon next to you or Sally down the hall, mm-hmm. or you like there you're, they're there to deliver your baby and it's not the other way around it needs to be the other way around they are there to make sure that you have a safe delivery of your baby mm-hmm. they're not there to do any pulling and nipping yeah. and they're there to make sure that you have a safe delivery and it's become so medicalized that the passion behind it and the safety behind it our our infant and mother mortality rates are through the roof these days and that's scary and needs to stop. So, um, no, I totally get that. And like, I know you're not doing this and I'm not doing this. This is not the point of the podcast is uh, this episode is to like villainize like your labor and delivery team or your doctor. Cause they're totally necessary. Like we need oh, them yes. at yes. different times. And, but I totally resonate with that because I had, I had an incredible labor and delivery team like you, the doctor wasn't there at my birth. I had a different doctor because they, none of them were on call. Um, when Landon decided to kick my water. So, but the first nurse that I had, I remember like looking at Seb and I was like, I'm scared of her. She was just very brisk and very like, and I had to have a a baby monitor on because he had, he had broke my water and Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I want to move around. I don't want to be attached to the machine. And she's like, well, you have to be. And I was like, well, I want a mobile one then. (laughs) That is totally up to you. That is is a great choice. Yeah. Well, I was just making stuff up. I didn't actually know it existed, but it did. (laughs) Um, It did. Yes. (laughs) And so, but the next nurse that I had come in was completely different they were amazing. Like their shift ended and they all stayed because I was really close to um, delivering at that point. And they all stayed because mm-hmm. they wanted to see landing because they'd been there for me for my whole labor. They're and that yeah. that was an amazing labor delivery team. And I know that's not everybody's story though. And right. so it's so important. Like when I was like, I want a mobile <laughs> um, tracking device, you know, you just have to say what you want. You know, right. it's so necessary. Yeah. It's voicing your opinion for a better outcome. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and I do, I do want to read an excerpt from her book, if that's okay with you. Of course. Um, it just ties perfectly in within what we're talking about. And so this is page 27 and the title of her chapter is healing birth, healing the earth. And it says the problem in our times is that the passion of birth is neither recognized nor accommodated. Birth has become a dispassionate medical event usually occurring in a setting that discourages emotional expression. If we are to reclaim our birthing passion, we must give ourselves permission to to birth passionately, and we must choose our birth setting and birth attendance with this in mind. 
birth in these circumstances will be more straightforward and enhanced with enhanced hormonal flow and less need for interventions, helping us to step into new motherhood with confidence and grace. I love that. Yeah. It's her, her book is incredible. So now again, I have to gentle, read it. <laughs> gentle birth, gentle mothering by Dr. Sarah Buckley. So oh, I think it was, it was just less than $17 on Amazon, but it's so worth more than that to me. So, yeah. um, yeah, our, in our day and age, like I said, birth is so medicalized and it, it has become a medical, like not experiment. I feel like that's re- a really harsh thing, but it's become just a number. I feel yes. like, like it's not, mm-hmm. it's not treasured and it's not sacred like mm-hmm. it should be. So yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, okay. Let's head into postpartum. Like what, <laughs> what should our moms know postpartum? Like what are some things they can do? Like, just walk me through like whatever you have to in um, it bestow upon us about postpartum. Okay. With postpartum, I will say I am, I'm, I'm certified as a labor and birth doula, but I am working on my postpartum certification as well. Uh, but with what I found with postpartum is and even when I, like I said, when I was having my own kids, but that's a different story. We tend to hold things in and kind of absorb what everybody else thinks and says and what they're doing for their baby and how we could be doing things differently. What you need to remember is that your baby is your sole purpose. You are that sole provider for your baby and where that becomes or can become very overwhelming and can Mm -hmm. seem like too much at certain points we need to feel okay with reaching out. We need to feel okay with, with saying, no, this is my baby. And ultimately, like I said, my baby, my choice. Um, You need to feel comfortable with saying no. And you need to feel comfortable with making those choices for you and your baby. And where it gets, like I said, where it gets overwhelming at certain points and where you need to just because a baby is a new baby. They're trying to figure out life outside the womb where you're trying to figure out life with her her or him outside of the womb. So ultimately, I think first thing is to remember that your body just went through a whole whirlwind. It went from this happy, free, go lucky, like whatever you were doing before you got pregnant to your sole purpose was growing that baby. And now your sole purpose is raising that baby. So your life literally just completely flipped upside down. And remembering that all those feelings of like that negativity and that you, you, you have to be able to tell people no, and that this is my baby. This is, you know, how I'm going to do things. And, but also still accept that help. If they are going to be there, they understand though, that your body just went through all these different things, because usually um, we, in our own circles, we, we tend to turn to mother figures. Mm-hmm. you know, but other mothers will have their own opinion. And that's where you yes. put your foot down and say, no, you know, you're like, that was your baby. That is how you raised your baby. This is now mine. And that is completely fine. You can tell them that, but mm-hmm. they will never give up on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were always, there will always be someone who understands where it doesn't feel like that at certain points. Yeah. Uh, Cause you do, you feel very alone. Like that, that, that baby mm-hmm. is the only thing that you have throughout the day that that only person you have to talk to. So as I said, I am a military wife. So I have had my babies and raised them 
well, a couple of deployments, one seven and one eight months long. So Atlanta. both were four months old at the time when he left. So when my husband left, so I've had to, to go through those phases, luckily never alone. I've, I, through his first deployment, my second son or my first son was my second child, uh, was like I said, only four months old. And I felt like I had to go through it completely alone. Retrospect, my mother jumped in firsthand Mm -hmm. and my sisters, you know, there's, yeah, their moms are the best. Right. And when you learn to accept that help, but still know and remember that those are, that's your baby and you get to make that choice, those choices for that Mm -hmm. baby. Um, that's number one, that's key. And if you don't have like family around, like I said, with, with being military or whether your husband moves a lot for his job or it just, it doesn't matter if you don't have a, a big circle, I suggest just going for a walk. You had mentioned in one of your past podcasts of how to meet new moms or how to meet moms yeah. and like-minded friends. You just, honestly, it's as simple as just getting out of the house, breathing mm-hmm. the fresh air, getting outside with your baby. Cause the baby, obviously if it's you know not February or January, <laughs> January in the winter time, uh, get outside. And if you, even if just like breathing, breathing the fresh air, breathing, getting in that sunshine and going, just going and sitting at a park. I always meet new moms at a park, no matter, even if your baby can't walk yet, just go and sit down and just relax, just sit there. And uh, if you can't, if no one's at the park or if you can't meet anyone that way, just search within your community. Uh, Our, you know, our modern technology is, has, taught or us or enables us to be able to meet people in our in our situations so whether that is if you are military or if you're just new to a community there are a lot of community pages out there mm-hmm. and just put out you know say hey I'm a new mom you know I and if COVID's still going on just texting or messaging people it yeah. none of that hurts and just being able to reach out and have someone to talk to makes overall the difference yeah I agree um, I think that's I think that's the the key point there for postpartum moms is to never feel like you can't like you don't have anyone or that you don't you're going through this alone because honestly in every situation that I've found myself in there's always someone who has been in your shoes before Mm-hmm. And there's always someone who can relate, who can help you through the situation. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So do you have anything else to share with us about labor, postpartum, anything you feel like mm-hmm. women should know? Um, well, I actually, with becoming a doula, I recently learned that there aren't just labor and birth doulas, mm-hmm. uh, or postpartum doulas. There's actually doulas for, through different organizations that usually healthcare providers are able to get you those in that information, but there's even doulas, which this is a harsh term in our day and age, but abortion doulas, doulas to help you through stillbirth, doula, um, stillbirth miscarriages and actual abortions. Obviously each of those things take a mental toll 
uh, a physical mental toll on women. And there are actually doulas out there as well for those, yeah. that category. No, They're that called makes, abortion doulas. That makes sense. I mean, we're obviously extremely, we're very pro-life and, um, but that doesn't dissuade the fact that it abortion causes a trauma. Right. Exactly. Um, and that needs to be, those women need to be taken care of just as much as, mm-hmm. as the next. Um, so the term abortion though, when you think about it, it's, it's an end of pregnancy. Yeah. So it's, it's the stillbirth mothers and it's the mid a miscarried mothers as well. And so there's, they are, there are doulas out there for those as well. Um, there's also adoption doulas to help families transition, oh, wow. um, to help both the birth mother and the new family to transition, whether it's a connected, uh, what did they call that? The, um, where they stay in contact with each other. Oh, open adoptions. It, open. Thank you. An open adoption, whether it's an open adoption or not, um, that doula can still save face, help the mother through, you know, mm-hmm. all of, all of the, you know, having to get rid of the baby and it can help the fam- new family transition into new family life with a new, you know, new baby in the home. So, um, and then one that I recently found out about as well, is called a death doula, which is very tough. I actually didn't get into a discussion, but I was reading comments through Facebook and those women, they're, they're next level Mm there. They literally sit with dying patients, dying mothers, dying children, and they just provide the support for families or for anyone who is dying by themselves, who is alone through the process. So yeah, there, like I said, there are organizations who can help, uh, not organizations, but there are doulas who can help through, um, the healthcare network and they will be okay. able to help you help you find them in your area. So like I said, I'm in Northern California, so I don't, and I've only met so far, I've only met labor and um, postpartum doulas. So I don't know any exactly, but like I said, using modern technology and communication, communicating through modern technology, it is a perfect way to find those types of people in your area. So Mm -hmm. I, yeah, goodness. So how do people find you, especially if they would like to hire you? How do they go about doing that? So I am in Northern California right now, but I, after starting my, you know, my dual page, I named it freedom birthing doula services, because I feel women need to have that freedom to choose how Mm -hmm. and how they labor and deliver and just how they see it happening now how and have that freedom. So um, I am at freedom birthing doula services on Facebook. And I also have a website as well. So it's just freedom doula freedom birthing doula services.com. Perfect. And I will link all of that below so you guys can find it. And then I have questions that I ask every guest on the podcast. Okay. (laughs) If I remember, um, and I never prep you guys for them because I just want to like hear what you have to say. So we're all about um, hormones on here. Obviously we talk a lot about periods. So I would Mm -hmm. love if you're open to sharing, like what was the age you got your first period and what was that experience for you? Well, it's embarrassing, just like everyone else's, I'm sure. Or maybe not. I was 13 when I got mine. And 
<laughs> this is the embarrassing part. I started in a Chinese restaurant. Oh no. And yeah. We were out for dinner with, uh, old friends of my dad's. And then we, you know, I was like shot. I obviously knew I was 13. I knew what was coming and we, mm-hmm. I had prepped for it for like three years and, um, I, yeah, but I decided to start there in a Chinese restaurant of all places. And I went out to the table after, you know, taking care of everything. And my mom decided to tell everyone (gasps) we were out for dinner with. No. (laughs) So, uh, and then we went over to my aunt's house after that. And she proceeded to tell everyone there too. So (laughs) again, everyone has has started her period. she has become a woman and like it was like a a parade or something oh my gosh I mean yes I'm all about like the celebration but (laughs) maybe not if you're ready for the whole world to know yeah Um, and then my last two questions are one what is your favorite book that you would recommend somebody read which I feel like now I know um yes and (laughs) secondly um, what would you say to somebody who's dealing with a ton of health issues um, and they're scared to they're scared to look for help they're scared to invest in their health they're scared to like start seeing a change okay so for the first question which yes uh, gentle birth gentle mothering by dr. Sarah Buckley is my first one uh, but more geared for husbands I would suggest it's called the birth partner and- I love that book Yes. And it is, it is literally like an encyclopedia front to back labor delivery, different stages. And it's, but it's simple. And I feel like men need that. So I actually have that book and my husband and I, we've, we've read through it and he's like, it, he loves it. He doesn't love it obviously. Cause he's a man, but he understands <laughs> it and he's able to, to grasp the conversation. Cause I feel like men they're, they're perfect. And they're there for us during those you know stages of labor and everything, but they don't, truly know what's going on with our bodies and it's so it is it's educational and it's but it's simple enough for them to get it so Mm -hmm. um so those two books I would suggest and recommend and then for women who are afraid to take like charge with their health I definitely would say is to reach out within if you're scared to reach out within the community Mm -hmm. like I said before there's always someone who is in your Mm -hmm. shoes or who yeah. has been in your shoes yes. and you can't be afraid to ask for help. There's, mm-hmm. there's so many, like, I think a lot of, uh, in today's modern society, we're so geared on mental health. Mm-hmm. And as long as you remember that, like, that's okay to need help. And that's okay to want a change and to make a change. And if you remember that the whole you know, people, there's always someone who has been through this before there's always going to be this, someone there to help and just doing research, look within your community. I would thank God for you because I, there are certain things that I never would have thought to do or changes to make. I, but yeah, you've, I just started reaching out to you one day and you've helped me in ways that I can't say. So mm. I appreciate it. So yeah, well, definitely just look within your community. So, or like that old high school friends. So. Who would have thought? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, thank you so much yeah. for coming on. We really appreciate having you. Absolutely. I enjoyed this greatly. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Balancing Hormones Naturally. If you found this helpful, I would love for you to share it with a friend and post it on your stories and tag Balancing Hormones Naturally podcast so we can get this message out. You can find me on Instagram at Leah underscore B-R-U-E-G and I would absolutely love to hear from you. Thank you.